Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Blue Jays Bites podcast. I am Brian Taat, your host, Creighton Otter on whiteandbluereview.com. And joining me tonight, as always, is the venerable Matt DeMarinas. Matt, welcome to the show. How you doing? Doing very well. Glad you're back from uh, the Dominican Republic, safe and sound. I'm ready to get back into some Blue Jay athletics. Thanks. Yeah, it was a nice trip to recharge. I was able to... Um, I was able to spend the Creighton Nebraska men's basketball game, which is always the one of the most uh, self-induced, nerve-wracking games, no matter the sport, um, during my uh, during my season. And I was able to, you'd think, like kind of just disassociate myself from that game, um, you know, focus on beaches and palm trees and stuff, but nope. I was checking the score religiously while I was walking around the resort that night, so can't turn it off. And so it started as a it started as a peaceful walk then, and I imagine by halftime it was you were walking more towards the water. Yeah, it was kind of like peaceful to start, and then I kind of tried to like speak Spanish with a gentleman to see if he could figure out why I couldn't stream Big Ten Network's app on my phone in the Dominican Republic, but he didn't know what the Big Ten was, and I'm not sure he knew what an app was, so I just figured I'd stick to the uh, to the Twitter fiends who just fed me copious amounts of wonderful news as that game uh, continued to progress. So, yeah, it was wonderful. And, you know, I was the only person, James and Connor and Patrice and I were the only people wearing Jay's gear at the resort all week, but uh, you know, missed a couple home games, which is a bummer, but, um, you know, it was, it was good. So that's a good segue. I've missed a lot and I've missed talking to you. You, sir, have had an extremely eventful couple weeks, sure. um, representing Omaha media down in Austin, um, as the Creighton Blue Jays volleyball program took one more step in its in its quest toward a final four uh, the blue jays losing in the national elite eight round to texas but i just want you to kind of chime in paint a picture for our listeners because you've been with this team for the last couple of years you've been along for the ride and then you physically went along for the ride uh down to austin and i think the last time we talked um, you said you wanted for Christmas was a final four trip for the Blue Jays and you got pretty darn close close. So just take our listeners on a little bit of a, a trip of what this last couple of weeks have been uh in Creighton Volleyball. Feels like they've flown by. It doesn't even feel like it's been that long since we talked, but uh as I was kinda getting ready for um tonight's show I realized it has been quite a while. Uh Last time we talked, they hadn't even played their first NCAA tournament match yet. Um, so, yeah, you've missed a little bit. Um, but, yeah, the first weekend in Lawrence, the first weekend in Lawrence, they played uh, Northern Iowa, who's a coach, of course. Um, for those who don't know, she they're coached by Bobby Peterson, who is a uh, one of Kirsten Bernthal Booth's really close friends, um, not just in the coaching world, but personally. And Are you – Fixing a sleeping bag? What are you doing? No, I'm here. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sounded like you were zipping something up there. Uh, 
so yeah, they were coached by uh, Bobby Peterson, one of Kirsten Berthold's really close friends. I'm not sure if we talked about their uh, their draw or not on the last show, but that was a, a kind of a funny moment at the selection show when they realized they weren't hosting, and then realized they were. Um, then Kirsten realized she was playing against Bobby, who's you know been been one of her you know closest volleyball confidants, you know, going back to the start of her coaching career. So that was a little, uh, probably not the draw she wanted, but they, you know, that's the cards you're dealt. And, you know, they were up 2-0 in that uh, first match and cruising. And they had, uh, I think, two match points in the, in the third set and blew it. And then lost the fourth in, in a not, not very close fashion. So it was like a little kind of a sweat, uh, had to sweat it out there. But they eventually pulled it out in the fifth set, something that they would make a habit of in that tournament. <laughs> right. Um, and then... Uh, obviously they got the Jayhawks in the next uh, the next night. In uh, they didn't play at um, in Fog Allen. They played at the the gym next to it, which I'm not sure how to pronounce. I apologize for the unprofessionalism there, but it's like it's kind of like a DJ Soul Arena type of gym. Um, so it was filled up and loud and rowdy. Um, there was a decent contingent of Creighton fans, but for the most part, it was KU, um, as you'd expect. But that was one of the best matches. I don't know if it felt that way on, you know, the ESPN3 stream oh. that was on, but, uh, you know, for those in attendance, it was just an insane environment, an insane match. I know uh, most of the state was enamored with Nebraska-Penn State um, in the Sweet 16 last weekend, or two weekends ago, I guess I should say, uh, because Nebraska was down 2-0 and they came back. But, you know, Nebraska, I mean, they came back, but, um, you know, the fourth set wasn't very close, and the fifth set was a blowout. So there wasn't really much drama involved. It was just the drama. The only drama was the third set where Nebraska had to hold off match point twice to keep their season alive. Sure. And then the drama ended right there, you know. They just flipped that switch and went, whereas the Creighton-Kansas match was drama for, like, it Still. seemed like two hours. I mean, it was insane. Oh, it was, it was crazy. I mean, I was sitting next to uh, Alex Sindelar from – uh, Big East Coast Bias, who went down there with me, and uh, um, you know this is his kind of first year covering volleyball, so he's like a he's like a you know a newborn baby experiencing everything for the first time when it comes <laughs> to volleyball. So like he was just like his heart was just pounding out of his chest, um, watching just point after point. And uh, I actually this is kind of funny, you know we're not this is going to be you know go down in sports fighters aren't athletic joke uh, history, but I was actually cramping up like in the fifth set because. <laughs> Because I had been sitting still in the same position, like with no movement at all, like you know, legs locked ninety degrees, all that. I had not, I wasn't moving a muscle except my fingers to type and eyeballs to look up and down. And uh, so I ended up actually, I was cramping in the fifth set, like because <laughs> I hadn't moved for so long. Coach Booth came over and helped you out. Yeah, yeah I had to yeah, call right. for the. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yeah, but that fifth set, I mean. I mean, I've gone back and watched it a couple times now. I mean, the biggest lead was like two points. I mean, Kansas saved, I think, six was the final total, six match points. Yeah, it was insane. Six match points they saved. And Creighton almost won it on on eighteen seventeen. They thought they um they thought Kansas hit a ball long, you know, over the Everybody line did. over the end line and they rushed the court, they started celebrating. The Creighton fans started going crazy. The coaches was, started going 
crazy. Yeah, I mean, it was Twitter official for like oh yeah, twenty Rob seconds. Hit, yeah, Rob hit the <laughs> Rob hit tweet. Like everybody was busting out. Like, and it was funny. The funny part about it was too, because I was getting tweets throughout the match saying that Twitter was faster than the ESPN three feed. Okay, like that it was a solid two points ahead. So when everybody saw the finals, it was like retweet and like city. But where I benefited from that is I'm a very slow typer when it comes to Twitter. <laughs> Nice. So I hadn't actually I hadn't actually finished my um, final tweet saying that Creighton had won when I saw the officials conferring to see if there was a touch or not, and obviously they you know they ended up did ruling that there was a touch and the match would continue and oh I'm telling you Kirsten Bernthalbu's face I if if there's a serial killer inside of her it almost came out right there <laughs> he did not believe what they were doing uh, you know there's no replay for the regional rounds. So there wasn't really a, a a definitive way to find out. And watching back on the ESPN3 stream, when you looked at it, there wasn't really a way to tell either. I mean, it kind of looked like there may have been a touch, but you can't really see the fingers touch the ball. But Creighton did admit that they touched it after the match, so I guess, you know, honesty prevailed there. Um, but, yeah, then Creighton wins the next point. Then Kansas saves another match point. I think they saved two more match points after that. After that, yeah. And then uh, – Creighton got a kill, and then Megan Ballinger, who now it's okay to say this because Kirsten, Kirsten Bernthal Booth is kind of like Bill Belichick when it comes to injuries. She loves to keep that stuff like close to the vest and doesn't give any team's advantages on knowing what the players are going through. But um, we can say this now that Megan Ballinger was dealing with a stress fracture um, the last couple weeks of the season. So she was really hobbled, and you could probably tell that watching the Michigan match. Um, but, yeah, so – you know, she was hobbled against Kansas. She would be subbing out and then going right to the bench to warm up her, you know, to kind of warm the leg up a little bit and keep it loose um, with a heating pad. And then, she, yeah, but she got the final kill on – it was a little bit of a long um, – it was a long – I think it was a long serve receiver, a long pass, and she just kind of smacked it down and then, and you know, kicked off celebration number two. And that was just a – I mean, I've never seen a better <laughs> – a better event like basketball, baseball. I mean, anything or you know, baseball is walk off bizarreness against Seton Hall. Yeah. Um. You know, name name any kind of you know event that uh you know I've only been doing this for you know five plus years or whatever. So obviously the you know some of the old veterans can come on and chastise me for not having a good memory, but you know in my time just covering teams, I've never seen a better match in my life you know the stakes the environment um and how it just came down to the wire and everything was up for grabs in the final points i mean for to go 20 to 18 in the fifth set that's a long fifth set i was gonna say like i was trying to explain to my dad he doesn't watch a ton of volleyball but um you know i was just trying to explain to him just what that means and he's like oh they only go to 15 and fifth set yeah. I'm like, yeah not not they felt like they were going to play two fifth sets the right. way things were headed you know yeah they almost played like a whole entire you know a whole regular entire set. regular set in the yeah. fifth i mean that's and it was just you know like i said there was no bigger lead than two i don't you know i'm pretty sure it was that was the biggest lead in that set and you know kansas saved six match points the crowd was insane the drama on 17 17 with did creighton touch it did they not no replay all that, you know, the adrenaline dump, the reset. I mean, you'll never see a better you'll never see a better college match. You won't. I mean, it's just it you can say that because it's gonna be it's just it's impossible to top. It's just the drama involved in that was was incredible. 
And you can see, you know, I think a lot of our listeners are de- devoted Twitter hounds for our account and the Go Creighton accounts. And I thought just the video that someone captured of Coach Booth coming into the locker room and screaming, oh, my God, and everybody just piling on at that point. And you could see that kind of release of adrenaline there and, and the celebration because they know. I mean, how many volleyball matches has Coach Booth been a part of and how many yeah. matches and practices and both either playing or scouting or watching have all of these women been a part of over the course of their careers, uh, even before college. Like they know it when they see it even more than we do. And you could just kind of tell that reaction was palpable for just the common fan or the common, you know, reporter covering this stuff. So, um, you know, it was so great to see and know that they were going to head to a place where they had, you know, some real opportunity. I think you had talked about it the last time mm-hmm. um, we podcasted that BYU was going to be tough. Um, should they play them or Michigan was going to be a challenge? Cause obviously the big 10 is more than stout as a conference and Michigan held their own struggling a little bit down the home stretch of that season. Then obviously Texas is Texas, but um, you were able to go down there and uh, maybe just, set the scene for folks when they, you know, the dust kind of settles in Lawrence, they wait another day, right. To see, cause wasn't, uh, weren't they waiting for Friday, Saturday matches to wrap up instead of Thursday, Friday to see who they would play or did they yes. know that Friday night? I couldn't remember. Well, the only drama involved was, I mean, I guess I, from the way they set up the regionals this year, it was, they, they, they seeded the top four teams, and those teams were in line to host the um, the regional final rounds uh, because at their at their respective, you know, wherever they decided to host it. But if they got upset, then it would kind of go, I, I assume it would go by seed, you know. We didn't get to find out, but I assumed it would go by seed, and then and I assume that would be based on if they even bid to host in the first place. So I'm not even sure if there was an outside chance that Creighton would have had a chance to host the regional in the second round, which would have been kind of bizarre considering Michigan and BYU were actually national seeds. Yeah. Um, but if they didn't bid to host maybe a regional round or anything, I'm assuming that would have been a technicality in Creighton's favor. But as it stood, yeah, we had to – I mean, all we needed to do was find out if Texas won and they were pretty much hosting. So um, Creighton would – um, play Michigan, who was on their part of the bracket. Uh, Michigan beat Oregon, which I actually thought Oregon had a better chance of winning that match, but Michigan took care of them pretty easily. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they drew the Wolverines in Austin. And I just want to start off by saying the trip to Austin is <laughs> – it was just – I mean, that's twice I've gone through that territory now. I mean, the first time was San Antonio for men's basketball. Um uh, in 2013-2014. I'm surprised you went back as poorly as that went. Right? Um, <sighs> Baylor. So, <Wow>. yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah, it was uh, – and our bus driver – I went with the pet band, by the way, uh, just to clarify. And our bus driver, we left at – and we'll talk about this, I guess. We'll talk about <laughs> why we left this earth. But we left at, we left at 6, uh, 45-ish, 7 o'clock in the morning which was a good maybe two hours of sleep for me after Creighton pasted Nebraska in men's basketball the night before. So it was all kind of one big blur. But we were all pretty tired from that. 
as you might expect. So we all just took like kind of just continued sleeping as our normal sleep schedules, you know, dictated, and let the bus driver assume the bus driver knew what was what what was what. Um, there were signals that I ignored because she asked me. I sat behind her and she asked me where is Texas? Yeah, if if I knew where we were going and that sort of thing and if I would help navigate. Are you serious? She did it in sort of a joking manner, so I didn't really take it seriously. Like she was yeah. kinda ha haing about it, you know, and I was like, Ah, well I think I'm gonna go to sleep, so you got it. I think you... she had a GPS like right next to her. Yeah, so. like the internet exists, so there's yeah. real no need for a navigator anymore. Right. So right. I was just like, you know, I was like, we, 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 I just laughed it off. And I was like, your GPS probably works just fine. And she's like, no, it doesn't work at all. <laughs> and again, I was just laughing that off. I was like, haha, yeah, it doesn't work. That's funny. You know, we're going 12 and a half hours away. Why would your GPS not work? Uh, but apparently it didn't work. She didn't use it. She had a printout, like a MapQuest paper oh trail. Oh, my God. Like, that's amazing. Three, was like, it my mom? Was my mom driving? I, I don't think so. Okay. And, and I just, you know, for obvious reasons. I was gone out of the country. I don't know. She could have been. Maybe if it is, <laughs> wow! Uh, don't let her drive anywhere. Um, so yeah, she had about like seven sheets of paper that she was like kind of holding and sifting through, and um, we woke up maybe four hours, maybe four hours, three or four hours later, and started seeing signs for Hutchinson, Kansas, which seemed unusual, but we weren't panicking just yet. We were just like, you know, whatever. She's got routes in her hand she knows what she's doing clearly we assumed um but yeah but if you've been through if you're going to austin texas it takes you through wichita which you know no one wants to go to wichita let's just be honest we understand but if you go through wichita you have to go through a toll in topeka there's one toll road or toll place um and it's like two bucks but i'm assuming maybe for a bus it's like four who knows so it's not like, you know, a huge inconvenience. It's not like driving to Chicago where you have to like stop at like eight toll toll places and pay to get, you know, through the city. But she decided to map out a route that would take her that would avoid the tolls. Okay. okay. The one toll. And it, avoid Wichita. Which again doesn't sound like a terrible idea. Smart lady. Wichita, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, and even on Twitter when I tweeted out what we did, they everybody said still worth it because <laughs> but <laughs> but the avoiding Wichita on your way to Austin, Texas apparently costs you three hours in in drive time. Three hours. We ended up at Oklahoma City um probably around six thirty at night. So it took us 12 hours to get to Oklahoma City from Omaha. Wow. Which which is what it should have taken to get to Austin. So we still had five hours left to drive from Oklahoma City. We didn't get to Austin probably until one um, thirty, I think. Okay. Maybe 2 o'clock. So a solid 18 hours on the bus. Yeah. Now you know how Ed Service feels all the time. Oh, Ed Service would have loved that. Trip. He would have. Would have loved it. Would have wished it gone longer. Do you think like, Ed, let's go to San Antonio? Do you think he drives buses in the off season? Just Probably. for the bus. That'd be amazing. I would drive I mean, on that bus. With the with the with the way he says it builds <laughs> chemistry, he probably has so many friends on buses. Yeah. I mean he's, he drives he would, the mega bus. He would have had a ball that trip. He probably avoids the total Wichita even when he goes to Wichita yeah. and goes through Oklahoma City back to Wichita. I love that. Um, so yeah, that was the trip there. So right now and I'm picturing a bunch of instruments, Matt, 
a clueless yep. driver, and then like a super giddy Ed Service yeah. in this bus right now, driving to Austin, where you're just hoping, like you spent 18 hours in that bus, you're hoping that the Jays oh. put up a fight, right? You don't want them I to mean, go just three and out here. Because and, uh, because here was the thing. It, it got better. We, we ended up altering this, but here was the plan was to go there, and if Creighton lost, leave that that immediately. Leave, just go home. So I was dreading that because it was 18 hours on the bus to get there, and if Creighton had lost, it would have been what should be 12 hours, 12 and a half hours back. So we're talking 30 hours on a bus in about a 40 hour period. Nice. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, come on, that did, that just doesn't sound pleasant at all. She could have taken you down to San Antonio and then like just to sightsee and then head back up. So like you could have easily put a couple oh. extra hours on that both ways too. Yeah, in the time. Oh my god, <laughs> it was it was an experience for sure. Okay. So, but Creighton did win another fifth set. They beat Michigan. They came back from two to one to do it this time. And they uh, kind of coughed up that first set. Yeah, they were they were playing pretty well, and then Michigan yeah. went on a late run. Yeah, a late run to uh, take control of the first set, win it. Um, Creighton bounced back in the second to even it up at intermission, which is which is pretty crucial because even though it wasn't a hostile crowd, it was you know because the Texas fans had all filed out and the ones that were still there didn't have a really rooting interest. And actually, Creighton fans outnumbered Michigan fans by about four to one, so it felt you know like a decent. It felt like almost like a home match for Creighton, you know, based on you know the crowd environment and things like that. There were a lot of Creighton fans down there. That's cool. And. Uh, so yeah, they were able to battle back and take take set two, um, but then they dropped set three out of the locker room to go down two to one. But um, you know, like this team has done all season, they just kept fighting and fighting and won fourth set. And the fifth set was easy. I don't remember the run they started off in the fifth, but it, you know, they took control of it the same way they kind of took control of Northern Iowa and Kansas. You know, they got off to a good start and just didn't look back um, and kind of maintained control. Which is funny because you know, if you go back to the beginning of the season. Um, they lost three five setters, you know, all three of the five setters they played in. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the season, they turned it completely around, beating you know, they beat Villanova in five sets to end the season to finish undefeated in Big East play. Um, they did Northern Iowa, Kansas, and Michigan like right in a row. So four of the last six matches went five sets, and they won them all. Um, just kind of like a just shows the maturation that team had over the season. Um, because coming in, there was some leadership questions. There were some, you know, questions about their youth because they were a pretty young team. Um, they lost a lot of seniors from the group that went to the Sweet 16 the year before. So that was definitely a question mark, and they answered it big time when it mattered most. Um, and their reward was getting the Longhorns the next night in Austin with a trip to the Final Four on yeah. the line. Yeah. And, you know, BYU – it's hard to say that they had them beat because BYU was down 2-0 and they were facing two match points in the third set. They almost got swept, you know. Yeah. But they came back and they won the fourth or the third and the fourth. And then in the fifth set, they were just rolling. Like, I think they were up 12-6 to f- six, maybe. Hmm. You don't come back from that. I don't, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a comeback like that in the fifth set. You know, I haven't been doing it very long, but still, that was pretty remarkable. But, I mean, BYU is just – it's funny because uh, Kirsten uh, Kirsten Berthold Booth always talks about tipping when the game's on the line. You know, tipping is when, you know, there's a you're trying so hard not to make a mistake that you kind of just softly, uh, you know, push the ball over the block and hope it just lands, you know, softly on the floor and you can get like a safe point. 
And you see teams do that all the time, kind of when they're afraid to make a mistake. And BYU got that lead. They were just playing with – they were playing that way. They were playing like, all right, just don't screw this up instead of win it. You know what I mean? And Texas played to win it because obviously they were in desperation mode, and that's how they came back. Hmm. And I was looking up at Coach Booth, and we were looking, and I was like, why are they tipping? And she's like – she was just like about to throw a table. Um, <laughs> and, uh, she's like, I'll go out there and play. Just get out of my way. Seriously, stop tipping the ball. And it was so, yeah, BYU kept tipping, and to Texas, you know, benefit. Texas started swinging away and got back into the match and actually won it like 16 14. I don't even think it went extras that much. Hmm. Um, BYU had two match points at 14 12, and I think Texas scored the last four to win it. So, I mean, yeah, BYU coughed up a 12 6 lead like quick. Eesh. Yeah, and then it was like, okay, well, tomorrow's going to be a hostile environment when it was looking like, well, if Creighton gets by Michigan, maybe they'll have somewhat of a home court advantage based on, you know, the fan turnout for a BYU team that's, you know, kind of seated right around them. So, yeah. And then but they had to play Texas, and the we got to the, we got to Gregory Gymnasium, which is where Texas plays their home matches on campus. Um, probably an hour or so before the match, and the line was just filed all the way around the whole, I mean, to right and to the left, like fill in the sidewalk. And that place filled up, and it was loud, and it was rowdy, and, you know, Texas had quite an advantage. I mean, I've, I've, I was hearing We Are Texas in my sleep, like, for the next three days, because that's what they chant every time. Every time a ball is in the air, like we are Texas, like it's just, <laughs> it's just you know, it just embeds in your skull, right? And then, uh, yeah, Texas just took control from the start and really never looked back. Um, you know, Creighton's best chance was in set two. They had like a, I think they had a thirteen nine lead, and it was a big set because I don't think you know they don't they didn't want to go down o two and in, intermission against the Longhorns in that environment. It just was it was going to be too much, but. You know, Texas just chipped away at that, you know, that lead midway through the set and took control to go up 2 nothing at intermission. And they rolled in set three to put it away and finish off Creighton's season. And what was the atmosphere like around the players, the coaches? Obviously, people see Coach Booth's post-game interview, her comments. Um, you know, and if you haven't had a chance to see those listeners, you can find those on go Creighton's YouTube channel and on their site. But, Matt, I mean, you're down there and you've followed this team as closely, if not closer than anybody else the last couple of years. You know, what was the what was the feeling like? What was the atmosphere like? I mean, they're just – they're there. They're knocking on the door. They, have, they get one more step closer than they did last year after that huge breakthrough. What's the prevailing sense – around this program, you know, in those couple minutes, hours after the match. And then I know that you're going to preview your 20-minute interview with Coach Booth as well. Yeah, it wasn't as – and I wasn't in San Diego last year when they lost, so I don't know what the what the feeling of the team was when they lost to – you know, they lost to number one USC, the top team in the country in San Diego. So – and, uh, you know, they'd already been – the Sweet 16 was as far as they'd ever been before, so – I'm not really sure how much of a house money feeling they had in that match and if they were really upset afterwards. I know the seniors were pretty upset because it was their last match, but um and Jaylee Winters was upset because Jaylee Winters hates losing, so um I think Booth said she didn't talk for forty eight hours after the USC match last year, so uh Yeah, this this one felt, you know, like 
obviously the seniors were really upset and the team was really upset about losing, but it didn't feel like a couple of years ago when they got upset in Topeka by Oregon State with, uh, you know, Kelly Browning senior year and uh, Katie Neisler and those guys. Uh, that one seemed a little bit more a little bit more traumatizing just because they felt like that was the year they were going to make the breakthrough and they didn't, and then, you know, and they actually ended up losing in the first round and getting upset in the first round. So, um, that one, and then this time it felt like, you know, they made the elite eight. They were really close. They lost to a really good Texas team who proved how good they were when they pasted Nebraska. So, um, yeah, they're not all that bad. No, they weren't. I mean, Nebraska, I didn't think played very well in that match, but I mean, right. still, Texas did their job. But yeah, I mean, when you just look at the roster and, you know, it's going to be hard for people not to get really excited about next year. I mean, I can't imagine what season ticket sales are going to be like for this this team, but I would expect quite a few sellouts of DJ Sokol Arena if, you know, if anything. Um, Plus, it'll probably be like another like, yeah, six it's, it's, seasons before they lose a Big East match or something. So, <laughs> you know, we got that going. I mean, when you just look at, you know, Marissa Wilkinson had an incredible year and she finished at an incredible NCAA tournament. Um, you know, she she's coming back. She'll be a senior next year. Uh, Lydia Dimke was the Big East player of the year. She'll be a senior next year. Uh, Jaylee Winters will be a junior. Uh, Megan Ballinger will be a redshirt sophomore. Brittany Witt, a sophomore. Jeez. Um, you know, they have a six foot four middle blocker, Naomi Hickman from Kansas coming in to kind of, uh, you know, maybe potentially replace Lauren Smith, um, in the middle there. And, uh, Steph Gaston from Papillion, Nebraska, is a six foot five. I think she's a six foot five left handed hitter. And Booth has said she's never had a left handed hitter before. So she's. I mean, they're going to bring some size into this team next year. Uh, they're going to look really big. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of potential on this group. It's going to be hard to. I mean, they're going to get a lot of questions about Final Four next year, mainly because it's in Kansas City. Oh. It. Yeah, it's at the Sprint Center in Kansas so City. So what you're telling me we is went that through with men's soccer. Yeah, I was going to say, so what you're telling me is that they're going to lose to Akron in the uh, Elite Eight and <laughs> ruin an entire Saturday evening for me? Right. Okay. Uh, Thanks for the heads up. Yeah, so there's going to be a lot of excitement because the final four <laughs> is really, really close in Kansas City. I Actually, I think I joked on Twitter or said on Twitter that uh, men's basketball or Creighton fans will spend Thanksgiving in Kansas City with that men's basketball tournament against, what, UCLA, Baylor, and Wisconsin, right? That's yeah, 14. Monday and Tuesday of Thanksgiving week. Yeah, and then Christmas in the Final Four uh, the next month with Creighton Volleyball, maybe. so. Yeah, paint, Creighton. paint it blue. Right? So, yeah, that's that's what, I mean, there's going to be a lot of talk about Kansas City, a lot of talk about Final Fours because that's the next step. Uh, Lydia Dimke said it in her post, post-game post press conference after losing to Texas, she said it. She said the next step is the Final Four. That's what we're going to do next year. So, you know. All right. They're not. They're, there's no more. There's no more of these. We're happy to make the NCAA tournament. No more of these moral victories against top teams. They're uh, they're going for gold, as they say. Well, and I think it's just it's. I mean, we've talked about it on this show. You know, it's such a testament to Coach Booth, her staff, absolutely the kids. That now, like you said, we're not just happy to make it. Right, Creighton soccer ex- expects to be in the NCAA tournament every single year. Yeah. Men's basketball, if you stringed a couple seasons together where you're not in and questions start to 
arise, especially with now the benefits of being in the Big East and being established in that conference. And volleyball is in that same conversation now. I mean, this is, you know, if they, they fail to make a tournament here in the in a foreseeable future, it's going to seem strange. Whereas, again, right. you think back, like, in recent history, they were nowhere near playing. So I know, I know you have memory of that, of where it started. So my question to you is because you said over and over again, and you weren't wrong, but I always felt like I wanted to have this discussion with you because you've said it repeatedly this year, and I kind of disagreed with you, but I really didn't have any proof to back it up. Is your famous uh, quote that you always say is men's soccer is what? Creighton's yeah, I have to change best chance for a national title, right? Yeah. So um, my question to you is now after these last couple of weeks have transpired and what you see coming back, what you see Kirsten Bernthal Booth has coming back next year, are you amending that statement at all? I mean, I think you have to – uh, I don't know that I'll amend it. I think, um, how do I put this? I think they're on increasingly even, uh, footing. Right. Um, I just, I still think, you know, you looked at the final four for women's volleyball this year when all the dust settled and it was those traditional stalwarts. And right. You look back the previous years i mean you know last year kansas making it i think that was probably uh completely uneducated guess here but that was probably their first final four appearance yes yeah so you know you you tune in as a casual volleyball fan if the jays aren't playing like i normally do in december and it's like okay usc's there or oh washington's in it again certainly nebraska's in the mix you see the stanford's and the texas's to me, that's what Creighton soccer is. I know that they haven't they haven't played in more than one national championship game, but they played in one, and they've made number of Final Fours or College Cups or whatever you know uh, they want to call that. You know, and so to me, it's like that they've been there enough time. I know that every team is different, right? Every season's different. Every coaching staff's different. Um, I just think that maybe I that still in my mind gives them just that extra edge because they've proven they can get to that, that space. But um, I mean, the two sports and the two types of sports in the NCA overall are, are totally different. I mean, you're seeing that in just how quickly you can bring in uh, reinforcements from other schools in the college soccer game right. and have uh, eligibility uh, taken care of. I just think a lot's different. So um how about this? How about this? How about Creighton soccer and volleyball both win a national championship next year, and then I won't even have to address it. I'll where's just... the Where's the College Cup next year? I don't even know. Hopefully, a place that has grass and doesn't play on <laughs> gravel. Because I read Top Drawer Soccer's uh, breakdown of the monstros the monstrosity that was uh, the Houston pitch uh, yeah. for the for the College Cup this season. Sounded like uh, somebody pissed in the wake forest coaches cereal the morning oh. after but um yeah well, i don't know it, where it is so if it makes you feel better about your prediction they're sticking to your guns i'll say this stanford <laughs> won the national title this year you know yeah they beat four sets uh they had the youngest team in the country so there we go yeah so the, uh, the youngest team in the country this year won the national title so that's your preseason number one until someone says otherwise. Sure. Uh, 
So they're they're probably going to be the favorites to do it again. Um, so yeah, in your defense, Stanford looks like a pretty good pick to win the title again next year. So, but in your defense, Creighton volleyball just finished the season inside the top ten. Like that's they that's, did. That's mind blowing, right? They come out today. Yeah, yeah. They it just came out today. They finished number nine. Not only was it their best finish ever, it was their best ranking ever. Um. Yeah, what I was gonna say. Yeah, but they still have, like I said, they still have Jaylee Winters, who you know you'll yeah. never say who or face that men's soccer has a better chance to win a national title. So, um, although maybe you should, maybe it'll, you know. <laughs> oh, I don't need that. <laughs> I'll be in Ankeny this weekend. I could like maybe leave her like an anonymous note or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not like trying to pick clues. a fight here. I just I'll be happy when both teams do it. Let's just say there that. you go. Absolutely. Speak. Could we segue real quick? Yeah, sure. Let's Just do it. It's like a perfect segue moment. And I, I know that you have an interview, 20-minute interview with the Coach Booth. We're going to plug that in at the end of the show for all. That's like an oh, by audio. the way, right there. We forgot to tell everybody 30 minutes into the show that we have an interview. From- Dude, we'll tweet it. It's fine. <laughs> uh, but speaking of number nine in the country, see how good that segue was? Yeah. It's perfect, right? Your Creighton – well, not your because you don't root. But I do. Yeah, I mean, I just, My you know, Creighton Blue Jay yeah. basketball program, 11-0, squeaking by Oral Roberts. But it doesn't matter. A win is a win. They're t- tied for their greatest uh, rating in a season, greatest ranking in a season so far. And uh, obviously we have a lot to kind of catch up on from the last, you know, since the last time we podcasted. Matt, I know you've been at all those games too. What's going on with the Blue Jays right now? Blue Jay basketball just uh, rolling along. Yeah, I missed Longwood because I was in Austin. Dang. I don't think anybody missed Longwood, Matt. <laughs> so, so the uh, the resort yeah, that we're at. Hey, I just want to set the scene. Speaking of Longwood, so the resort uh-huh. we're at. I was pretty bent, uh, as bent I guess as you can be if you're extended family pays to take you on a week-long vacation but you know i was gonna miss two home games in a row and i last time i did that was probably i was probably like in fourth grade so um so much so that when i came back to the home game against oral roberts i had multiple ushers like ask me if everything was okay with our family so that's a good sign uh Oh, and I, said, and I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we go to the DR, right? And I'm expecting like that maybe the TV would like have, um, you know, weird like wire hanger rabbit ears and not be able to get anything. Not like we're in the room a bunch, right? You're like, you're there to be out in the, the water and the beach right. and all this stuff, right? So no, we get there and I there's more television channels available in our room than in all of the cable systems I've ever subscribed to combined. We've got like Italian television and Russian sitcoms and all these things. Nice. And then the full suite of Fox Sports channels. So we're talking like Fox Sports International for like there was soccer on, I swear to god, 24 hours a day, like live. Like they had these random leagues playing in like Siberia that I had no idea all the German teams that Creighton played this spring. Right. I think I saw like Fabian's family on some screens. It was pretty wild. But um but so we we we're ending our evening Friday night and it's two hours ahead there. because uh, it's like Atlantic standard time or something weird that I didn't even know existed. 
And so we've, we get up to the room and James is like, can we watch the last couple minutes of the Longwood game? And I was like, sure, man, we got FS1 up here. Just throw that bad boy in. And I see immediately like Kobe's in, Davion's in, yeah. interviewee tonight, Tyler Clements running the point. I'm like, okay, this is probably okay. And because I hadn't really been following it and it sounded like. Yeah, that, that was probably 10 minutes left in the first half then when you started watching. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I mean, long story short, that was a bloodbath. And I'm I, I'm glad I got to see a little bit of it because I didn't get to see any of Akron game. Really only saw the, um, you know, the, the Twitter exuberance on Wednesday night during the Nebraska during the Nebraska win and the aftermath of that, but uh, you were at all of that except for Longwood. You know, what's the state of the Jays right now heading into the roadie, the last uh, non-conference roadie at Arizona State? And it feels like uh, it feels like they just, you know, you, you're starting to see that that behemoth schedule, you know, as you like kind of cross dates off and everything. And you're like, man, can Creighton get to that Villanova game undefeated and Make New Year's Eve afternoon, whatever you'll call that, at Century Link Center, just an absolute, an absolute party, or you know what's going to happen? Because Seton Hall's not a bad team. That's that's a good that's a good club, even though Creighton they beat them at home. Beat oh, that's home the definition of a trap game. I mean, <laughs> right? good team coming here, start Big East play, big bodies. I mean, yeah, yeah. and then they got this. They got this Arizona State team here on the road, which is just a weird road game to have right before Christmas. Like, you know, Arizona State is an up and down. Well, first of all, they're an up and down team, win loss record wise, and then they're up and down team uh, tempo wise. They actually run, they actually average more possessions per game than Creighton does. Um, you know, they play in the eighties. They shoot the heck out of the three ball. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a. I think it's going to be set up to be a high scoring game. We'll see how if any if anybody's able to stop the other. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a tough one. I think tougher than probably maybe Arizona State's metrics would suggest. And uh, you know certainly the Oral Roberts game looks like one of those that will serve as kind of a wake up call. But you know you don't know until you find out. You know Oral Roberts is one of those games that Creighton had a chance to put away early in the second half, as they have typically done so far this season. And you know the Golden Eagles withstood that run. And uh, actually, I think they outwood they outscore Creighton like twenty four to six. I think over about a sixteen or a fifteen minute stretch. I think yeah to get down to or an eleven minute stretch just to get down take a five point lead with six minutes left. And uh, you know, they banked in a three to go up five, and it was oh. like, yeah, that's what uh, – From their post player. I mean, that yeah, was just nasty. Post- yeah, and it's like that's what upsets are made of right there, that shot. That is, I was like, as soon as he hit that, I turned out to the ball game. <laughs> so, there was oh. Left, I said, this is over. You pulled the Sharpie out, huh? I did. Oh, I mean, that's what you see on SportsCenter. Like, when you're like, how did a top ten team lose? Well, they lost because, you know, the opposing team's center banked in a three-pointer to, you know, because that's what happens. It's like that. Just felt like, yep. Merry Christmas, Oral Roberts. Here comes your bye game plus a victory. God, you know, it felt like I know they're not comparable because I feel like Boise State was a bubble team that year. But when yeah. the Jays won that tournament in Las Vegas, came back and then summarily just coughed up. That uh, Derek Marks went off for God, 
30 plus points boys right. shot lights out in the second half and beat us and kind of took the wind out of the sails that's what that was feeling like to me when i was watching that unfold just kind of the malaise inside the building i mean for the bat for the weather and the opponent and the time of year i thought it was a good crowd um but certainly like you alluded to not anything like new year's eve will be or even that seat hall no. game but um it wasn't a good it wasn't a good crowd until creighton started losing that's when it sure. started that's when it started fire getting fired up like hey you're losing to oral roberts and were, all the players were like oh we are whoops do something yeah. yeah so then they held them scoreless for six minutes and won the game by one point so that works yeah, you know, it was funny because I was listening to Heath and Corey on the Blue Jays shoot around before the game, and they had uh, Ken Pomeroy on, um, and they were asking him what he kind of thinks of Creighton's defense, and he actually made a really interesting point. It was like it was kind of about Creighton's defense in regards to needing to get stops versus, you know, can their offense just still outscore anybody? It doesn't matter. So there's not a lot of stress under defense in the first place. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of funny foreshadowing because Oral Roberts ended up putting stress on their defense. Creighton won by one point and out held Oral Roberts scoreless for six minutes, the final six minutes of the game. So they literally, in hindsight, had no margin for error. And their defense needed to get every stop, and their defense got every stop. So, you know, they kind of learned that lesson. The, the thing is, and I watched a little bit of practice last night before they left for Tempe. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't like heated. They weren't getting torn apart or anything. Um, so it wasn't you know. You just wonder if the lesson, if the if winning in a fashion that wasn't impressive is a lesson to will serve as that wake up call, or if they actually need to suffer a loss for it to be a wake up call. Because I think you know, if you go back to last year. Uh, who did they, lo- did they lose to Marquette first or Seton Hall first? I can't even remember now. Mm-hmm. But one of those games was supposed to be the wake-up call game, right? Yeah. And they ended up losing another one. Or, they, yeah, they lost to Georgetown. Then they blew the Georgetown lead and then came home to lose to Seton Hall. Isn't that what happened? Yeah. Thanks right? for so, reminding me. Thanks. <laughs> the Georgetown I, I, game was like just the, the facts biggest guy. And then I had spent the, the night. The facts are the facts, sir. They're the facts <laughs> the facts, and then the facts are that that game got done, and I had to take my son to the emergency room that night, and it was just like, okay, cool. Let's just spill all this throw, on. You accidentally punt him into a wall. And it's like five degrees outside. I was like, oh, oh yeah, I forgot. They still coughed that game up. I'm not bitter or anything, but go ahead. <laughs> Drive yourself to the emergency room, James. I'm, I'm right. No, it was Connor, so he could have oh. found somebody to take him. He's cute. Well, yeah, but Connor can't drive. James probably can, but. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, it's one of those things where it feels like, you know, is a loss the lesson that you need to learn or is a close win over a team you should, you know, you're favored by 25 to beat. Is that the lesson? So we'll find out tomorrow night, right? Because I'm sure everybody wants Creighton to be undefeated in the top 10 for that Villanova game, but their next two games aren't going to just roll out a red carpet for them to do that. You know, Arizona State and Seton Hall are going to bring it. They'll bring different styles. You know, Seton Hall is going to be much more physical um, in the half court. They're going to, you know, try to beat Creighton up on the glass. They're going to make things tough for them on defense. But Arizona State's going to get up and down and really challenge Creighton's defense, um, you know, from the three-point line extended. Or, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see, if, you know, how Creighton handles that challenge because so far their only, you know, their only true road game has been in Lincoln. 
against a team that's. I mean, let's be honest. It's like a home game. That's not very good right now. So really, yeah. Oh, Uh, I know they were somehow only four point dogs or whatever it was against Creighton, but you know, Vegas was handing Jays fans a Christmas gift for that one. So yeah, they made their money back on the twenty five point spread that Creighton didn't cover. (laughs) Right. Right. Um. Yeah. Well, it seems like Arizona State might be the trap before the trap. See, no, yeah, there's I mean, like, yeah, I mean, right now it's just like a, there's a mortar, you know, there's a minefield, and then there's like a moat, God, and then there's Villanova, the king, you know what I mean? It's like so. I love know. that. I love that uh, visual. Yeah, right. Can't you just see that right now? That's what Creighton has to overcome to get to the castle right now. Okay. And if they do, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Let's be honest. Like, the Big East is salty again. Yeah, Villanova super salty. I mean, I, they just. But, but it, but if Creighton goes undefeated in the non-conference, you have to feel like they've pretty much. And this is going to be the wrong word for it, but I'm just going to you know just based on what they need to, what they're probably going to do in conference play. If they go undefeated in a non-conference, don't they pretty much have a bid locked oh, up yeah. unless yeah. they absolutely no. gag it away, right? No, that's you what I'm saying. Like, you know, the conference is going to be so salty, so there's not going to be really many um, gimmies, <coughs> DePaul. But, <laughs> St. You know, John's. Oh, St. John's. Um, <laughs> Mullen technical fouls. Oh, my God, that guy. What? Yeah. Dude, just go back to the dream team. Just, oh, man. Just retire the jersey and call it a career. I know. Anywho, um, yeah, I mean that's four wins right there, though. So that puts them at sixteen. I know. I used to make fun of these big blue chip leagues that would have these teams come in and end the season under five hundred in conference play, and they're still on the bubble or they're one of the last eight teams, and it just blew my mind. And now I'm like, eh, that works because yeah. So because what's that twenty and ten if Creighton goes undefeated in non conference, right? Yeah, I mean if you. If you just stay out of the Wednesday night game in New York this year, you're yeah. on the bubble. You're probably on the right side of the bubble, if not a lock. I mean, For sure. you, Providence, Seton Hall, Butler, Xavier, Villanova, Jays. I mean, that right there are six. Of, those are as six as good as teams as I've watched this year. As I mean, some of the leagues throwing teams out in college hoops are just. It's just brutal to watch. These teams are not good. Because where did Butler enter the Big East tournament last year? So let's just, you know, try to paint it up and compare. I know every year is different because you're comparing it to the field. Now you're going to make me wasn't Butler the Wasn't Butler the sixth seed last year? Yeah, six or five. Yeah, and then they lose their first Big East tournament game and still make the tournament, win a game, play Virginia, all that. Yeah, yada, because play, right? Matt, so, I mean, if the Jays would have beat Georgetown and not coughed that game up, they're probably <laughs> – in that conversation because they beat Butler in Omaha. Yeah. But whatever. I'm not bitter. Anywho. Sounds like you are. <laughs> Just a but I'm not a, but I'm not a professional. So. No, that's fine. Uh, My unprofessional opinion. You sound like you're still holding some, you're still holding that tight. That's just what I do. Let go, sir. Let, Let go. it go. Um, yeah. Let's so fly. I, mean, I think, right. you know, so let's say they win tomorrow night. Let's. And let's just say that. So they're going to be in the top 10 for a week that will start with Seton Hall and then end with Villanova. So right. 
Villanova's not going to lose between now and then. Although Villanova starts with Xavier, right? I mean, they're Do on they? the, I think they're on the road at Xavier. I could be uh yeah, I could be wrong, but Xavier's not that great right now. Yeah, what's up with Chris Mack and his boys? They're going to get Miles Davis back soon? Man, wouldn't that be something if he was back for Omaha, right? The he alluded. I mean, Mac today in his uh, press conference alluded to he and Miles both know the date that Miles is going to come back and play, and it'll just be a surprise to everybody else when they when they roll him out. So, okay, I gotta imagine that that's that, that doesn't uh, sound good whatsoever. Um, no, it's I guess Villanova starts with DePaul in in the Pavilion, so that's. That's nothing. Yeah. That first that first Wednesday night, that's a little salty. <laughs> right. Name your score, Villanova. Providence, Xavier, Seton Hall, Creighton, Georgetown, Marquette. So, yeah, okay. And then, yeah, New Year's Eve, uh, Xavier, Georgetown, Villanova, Creighton. Anyway, we're getting down the road here a little bit. Got to take care of business yep. against Arizona State. You're saying it's going to be a difficult game. I probably, cause, I mean, I would imagine, like, I mean, you're an eternal pessimist. You're going to agree, right? Right. I mean, I told you. I told everybody I worked with they're going to lose to Nebraska. Just so exactly. I can mentally get myself ready yeah. for anguish yeah. if it happened. You're prepared. You're prepared for three and twenty-six every year, aren't you? <sighs> you know it, man. And then <laughs> the Cubs win the World Series. So see, it pays off. It does. Every uh, years or so, it comes through. But no, I think you know as long as Martine. This is just me segueing back to some semblance of actual basketball conversation you know i i I was impressed with the energy that martin showed against oral roberts when he came in off the bench i still think that that's going to be because i mean justin didn't have the best first half and you know he got going with some of the oops and stuff uh but i thought oral roberts's big guys physically played you know forced the issue with justin on the block um i thought martin been picking rolls and yeah they were yeah and I thought Martin gave some good effort off the bench. I think you're just going to – how he plays and responds to his opportunities that first part of the Big East season I think is going to be a big barometer for this team because yeah. they just can't rely on only Justin down there against some of these teams. So Yeah, I think and, – yeah, and the other thing is they don't – I don't know if they really necessarily have to if they're playing the way I think the coaches want them to because they know that – Watson and Foster and Thomas can get to the rim as easily as they can just get the ball to Patton to get to the rim himself. I mean, sure. you know, on drives, they can either find out the oops or if a defender doesn't commit to them, they have a layup and, you know, they missed a lot of layups against Oral Roberts that probably could have put the game away sooner. But, you know, when they needed, when they were down five with six minutes left, their possessions, their next three offensive possessions went post up to Foster um, for what, a two footer. Uh, then a post up for Patton, and then a Kyrie drive that ended up in an alley oop to Patton. So when Creighton needs buckets, they this team knows it's getting at the rim, which is an interesting dynamic switch because they shoot the three ball so well, but they don't rely on it anymore. And I'm not sure. I, I wonder if you know everybody has noticed that trend that when Creighton needs a bucket, they're going to the low post now instead of. You know, trying to just swing the ball around and look for the first three they can jack up. Mm-hmm. So it's a different dynamic this year, and that's you know, it certainly is more helpful because putting pressure on the rim the way they're able to opens up the perimeter much more than it ever has before. So 
Um, I'm kind of curious to see what Arizona State has size-wise to deal with that. I know they lost one of their top freshman recruits already, decided to transfer the other day, because yeah. why not? You because know, why not? Because it's Christmas and I want to go home. And yada, Grass yada. is always greener. Yeah, so, I mean, they're down a guy. They don't really play that many to begin with, but they love, a, like I said, they play a lot of, they play a lot of, uh, you know, high possession game, you know, more possessions than Creighton averages by a little bit. They play in the eighties and they shoot the three ball. So it's, I wonder if they're gonna, you know, have a different strategy as far as that goes. But I mean, if Creighton has any memory of last year and as far as games that they dropped that might have cost them a bid, that Arizona State home game, <laughs> that Arizona State home game is one of them too because they oh, had yeah. that one signed, sealed, and delivered before Arizona State pulled it out late. So. Um, they won't if they if Creighton lacks in motivation for this game, it'll be interesting to hear their reasons for that post game because this is a payback game. It's a game. There's the last non conference game before Christmas. I mean, there's so many reasons for Creighton to be up for this one. So I don't think, and you know, and coming off the close call against Oral Roberts, like all all the signs point to Creighton being locked in for this one. Agreed. So I'm gonna go ahead take that to the bank. Uh, you had some time today to talk to. Uh, Maurice wow. Watson Jr.'s backup point guard. That correct? Talk, yeah, the heir the heir apparent. Right? Talk to, yeah, I know that's your nickname for him. Uh, <laughs> talk to me about and preview this a little bit because um, we'll go right into this interview and then bounce back for a little bit of women's basketball talk. But yeah, so set the stage a little bit for Mister Tyler Clement. So here's what I've been thinking: Is it Clement as as, or Clement? I'm pretty sure you got it right the second time. Okay. So, here's what I've been thinking about, you know, trying to ways to spice up this little podcast here instead of just having us blowhards, you know, talk to you for an hour. Now we're now we're breaking down the fourth wall right now. Break it down. Um, <laughs> you know, we have uh, some names on this Creighton team that can kind of, you know, that are kind of friendly for building segments. If you know what I'm saying, if you're catching my drift so far, like I catch your drip. So, for instance, we could call this like a timeout with Tyler. Oh, wow. You know, or a timeout with Toby, or a what's up with Watson, you know, or a Cole, minute, with, Mar- Cole's minute with Marcus, Cole's corner. God, Cole's corner. I'd go to that. You know if he wears like a cardigan like Mr. Rogers. Cole <laughs> right? strikes so he, me like he could pull that off. Yeah. So you see where I'm going with this right now? So, okay. yeah. So I told Tyler about this and I auditioned him for it yesterday. I said, you know, you're a cerebral guy. You got some personality. So well, this is, you'll be your first audition, you know? So. You know, we talk a little bit about the Chiefs, who obviously had a disappointing loss yesterday. And if you know Tyler, he's a big Chiefs fan. Um, So he was a little bit more – he got over the Oral Roberts loss quickly and started focusing on the Chiefs. um, Dude, they didn't lose against Oral Roberts. They won. I know it felt like it. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So he got over the meltdown that was happening over Oral Roberts. There we go. And uh, turned his attention towards the Chiefs blowing their chance to clinch a playoff spot and possibly home field advantage. At the foot of their former kicker. God, I hate yeah. that stuff, man. I hate it. <laughs> so he was starting to think Super Bowl, and the Chiefs said, no, come on, we're still the come Chiefs. Come on now. We're still the Chiefs. So, yeah, he, there's, he expressed that we talk about volleyball a little bit, and kind of it's kind of interesting because volleyball had a lot of support from men's basketball. I mean, um. In preparation for Nebraska, Greg McDermott moved his practice to CenturyLink Center, which I know, come on, Matt, it's the CenturyLink Center. It's not like moving a practice to the old gym, but he still moved his practice to the CenturyLink Center so that the volleyball team could use the championship center to practice in Michigan. So nice. 
you know, there was a lot of support for the volleyball team. The, you know, the basketball team especially was paying close attention to it. And, you know, that Elite Eight run, and Tyler talks about how it motivated him personally because, you know, Creighton Volleyball has accomplished first evers the last two seasons with the first ever Sweet 16 and the first ever Elite Eight this year that, you know, he wants to finish his final two seasons as a Blue Jay experiencing those those same first evers um, for the men's basketball program. So talk a little bit about how that, you know, watching that run up close motivated him and his teammates. Yeah, I mean, he's third on the list right now. If we start talking about chances for Final Fours and National Championships, I mean, yeah. the big dog's third on the list. So, okay. um, okay. they're next up. They're next up, though. So that's what I'm talking about. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. And they've definitely got some pieces at play this season and even next. So, all right. Well, let's listen to Tyler here. Like Tyler's, what'd you say? Timeout with Tyler. Yeah. Well, I mean, is that that's Tuesdays with for- Tyler? Because this will publish on Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday with Tyler. Yeah, I mean, Tuesdays something with, with Tyler. Whatever. Stay with a T, like, you know. Clement's Corner? Yeah. Okay. I like the Tyler one. Me too. Okay. We'll listen to this real quick, and then we'll bounce back. So this is Matt DeMarina speaking to Creighton point guard Tyler Clement on the Blue Jays Bites podcast, sponsored by Lawler's Custom Apparel. First things first, I know you're a Chiefs fan. Uh, so obviously today was not a good day. Let's just say Twitter was melting down, and it wasn't because you guys almost lost to Will Roberts. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts on what transpired this afternoon? Well, it's just a brutal loss. I mean, anytime you get in the red zone twice and you don't get any points up, first with a turnover on the Hi, Tyler. Nice to nice meet you. Nice to meet you. Hi. Matt. Pat. Pat. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Um, anytime you get in the red zone twice and they'll come away with points, I mean, we turned it over on downs and then the terrible interception. Just like a brutal game. I was slowly thinking they might be able to creep back in it, and of course they did. And not a good loss. Hopefully the Raiders lose right now. I don't know if they're going to lose or not. But. <laughs> so is it, is it, were you, are you at a point where you were starting to think, were you daring yourself to start to think Super Bowl? Were you saying maybe? I was, yeah. Oh, really? Uh, before the game. Okay. Only because I don't see, like, a really good team this year. New England's obviously. Yeah, the AFC's a little down. Even right. the NFC, too. But, yeah, just looking at the AFC alone, like, if we were able to win the division and get at least one home game, I mean, I think the AFC's. Nice to meet you. I'll see you at dinner. Um, I was I was just envisioning a thing where we can get home field, even if it's the two seed, and somehow make the Super Bowl. But I don't know. We got to figure out our offense still. Um, so maybe give the ball to Tyree Kill every time. <laughs> so it was. A, so you, you're not thinking Super Bowl anymore. Now you're just trying to make the playoffs again. I, well, we I haven't clinched that yet. We haven't clinched that, and if we don't make the playoffs, that be, which is possible, I mean, we got yeah. two tough games left. But we so better not even make the playoffs. Tennessee anymore. <laughs> so, you know, if you lose your last two, they win. I'm not thinking two. about Tennessee, but that makes sense, I guess. Um, Tennessee's not bad, though. they got a good run game. Yeah. But still, I don't know. The the big loss was Derek Johnson because, right. I mean, Tennessee had a good run, run offense in general, but he's just such a good run stopper and quarterback for the defense. I do still like our defense. Obviously, they still forced three turnovers today, but we can win with that defense, but got to get a little more from the offense. Yeah. So I was, I was practicing today after Oral Roberts. I mean, obviously, 
you guys have expectations that were you at one point went over all Roberts isn't going to sit well with you? What was what was the film session like? What was the practice session like? Did you guys see what you wanted to see out of the response from you guys? Yeah, I think we had a really good practice. I think the coaches would say the same thing. Um, we watched film first, and so like you said, we saw a lot of the mistakes and just like little things we needed to correct going in forward with Arizona State. But I think everyone kind of responded. We knew we didn't perform well last game last night, and so um, I think we're ready to respond with Arizona State. But yeah, it was a good, it was a good first practice back from that. Yeah, you got one game left on the non-conference, and it is going to be a tough turnaround going after 10 P. But how would you assess, uh, you know, your non-conference so far? I mean, anytime you're 11 and 0, I mean, I'd say you're doing pretty well. I mean, obviously last night was our probably one of our worst performances, easily our worst performance of the year. But if we can get a big road win against Arizona State and finish 12 and 0, I think that's about all you could ask for. And then, like you said, kind of gear up for a tough conference season. So you got the reigning Big East tournament champs to start the conference season, then you have the reigning national champion after that. You do get them at home, but still, that's tough. That's about as tough as you can yeah. get for a Big East like, to start it off. What in these next 10 days, I know you have a game with Arizona State in there too, but what in these next 10 days do you want to see uh, this group get better at in preparation for what you know is going to be a pretty daunting task to open the conference slate? Yeah, like you said, I mean, with first we got Arizona State, but I think the big stretch here is if we can shore up a lot of the little mistakes, especially defensively, because um, we we know we're a good offensive team, but sometimes you're going to go through stretches where you're not good offensively, kind of like last night, and we got to be able to rely on getting stops. And so I think that's a big thing. First with Arizona State, and then going into conference play, if we can play mistake-free defensively, and then we'll be able to rely a lot on our offense. But when the offense isn't there, we can kind of always fall back on our defense and be able to get stops. Do you guys feel good about what you do defensively? I mean, you did hold them scoreless for six minutes. That exactly. was how you won the game yeah. last night. I mean, you had to get stops. No, absolutely. Yeah, we did. We did when we needed them. I think we. Before that, though, like you said, I mean, so they were at 66 with, what, six minutes left, so they had at least 30 points on, like, that 15-minute stretch. So we go through times where we play really well defensively, and then we kind of get a little lazy, I think. Or not, maybe not lazy, excuse me. That's probably not the right word, but just not as focused, I guess. So we've got to be able to dig in for all 40 minutes and just get stops like we did the last six minutes. And how hard is it when you guys, I mean, you've gone through a whole non-conference here where it's pretty much, you pretty much have one knockout punch per game against the team. Every team you've played, it's been pretty much hit, hit them with one run and they yeah. haven't recovered. I mean, how hard is it to avoid getting complacent once you land that run thinking, well, this is how we finish yeah. off everybody before that. When a team fights back from that, how hard is it to avoid getting complacent when that run comes? Yeah, that's tough to kind of, it's tough to feel. I know what you're talking about. Like last night, I think we were 54th, 41, and that's right. when we had to put that kind of knockout run on them. So we got to be able to recognize that teams aren't going to quit so you go from up five to up 14 all of a sudden you feel like you've got the game in hand but like last night's a good example teams are going to fight back more often than not at this level so you got to be able to put a run on them and then sustain it and then put another run on to kind of put them away but um, it'll be even tougher to do in conference play you know everyone knows everyone pretty well so that'll be tough to do what do you see out of Arizona State? Um, you know, I see, see you guys have read some scout on them here today, but um, I see you're stopping and popping from 30 feet. That's probably a lot of fun for you personally. Yeah, it was fun scout team today. But yeah, they, they shoot some threes. Um, they a lot of times they'll sometimes go with a lot of guards in the lineup. Um, but uh, yeah, they, they do a good job of driving in, kicking in, getting some empty side ball screens. So it'll be a 
pretty good defensive challenge. But yeah, like you said, they they do like to shoot threes and uh, should be a fun game. So the game aside, how much fun is it in preparation when you get to when you see that your assignment will allow you to let it fly a little bit more than normal? Yeah, it's a lot of fun playing on scout teams. Sometimes you get a guy that's not a shooter or not really the same game as you, but when you get a guy where he, they say you can shoot, you can do whatever, it's a lot of fun. Like you said today, I was able to come down and shoot at three, no questions asked, and from 30 feet. So you don't have to worry about taking a seat. Yeah. And yelled at Even it. if I airball it, it's, they're gonna be like they're gonna do that. So that's a nice feeling. Um, I guess I know the basketball team was pretty locked in watching them run around, but uh, what did you think of this uh, run that volleyball went on this postseason? Obviously, it seems like most of the uh, other student athletes, the other teams, were pretty locked in to yeah. what they were going through. Yeah, yeah, we were definitely following it. Uh, both guys on the team and our managers, especially some of our managers, I think are the biggest volleyball fans there are. They were watching on their phones. But uh, yeah, we were following them. We were hoping they would get to that final four, but the first Elite Eight in school history, that's awesome for them. And it's kind of provides some motivation for us to get to that Sweet 16 Elite Eight level like they are. But uh, yeah, no, they were a lot of fun to watch. And they also played a couple of the games during the CenturyLink Center, so you can see a little bit of it. But yeah, that was a great run, and hopefully they can keep getting better. Final four next year, I heard, is the goal, so that's awesome. That's what I mean. Like, for you, watching that personally, you've been in this program a long time, when you see a team like that cross off first evers. Exactly. You've never been there before. I mean, how much do you, how much does it make you think about how how you want to end your final couple of years here yeah. on the Hilltop, where you want to go in the postseason? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, they've seem to have gotten better every year of volleyball. They just keep taking steps forward, and that's what, obviously, we've made it clear a goal of ours is to be the first to be 16 and then even beyond this year. So hopefully we can kind of use that as just more motivation to make create our goals, basically, to make our goals. So if I told you uh, you get a Chiefs guaranteed full win or Final four run, but you lose in the final four. You don't want for it. What would you take? I would take the final four run easily. The final four run. Yeah, to be a part of that would be awesome. And then the Chiefs will just win the Super Bowl next year, so that would. Be oh right. no! Okay, okay, okay. All right. So let me hedge that a little bit. Okay. All right. I'll just make it more risky for you to answer. It'll be final four. You think it'll be final four? No the Chiefs what? could not win a Super Bowl in my lifetime, and I'd take the final four. Okay, but the Chiefs win the Super Bowl this year, or you get a final four run this year, and the Chiefs never make the playoffs again. That's what I mean. I take the final four. You still take the final four? Yeah. That doesn't matter. To be a part of that would be 40 awesome. 40 years from now when you're watching Chiefs games, like, I understand they're not going to make I'd always have a Final Four ring to fall back on. I, that would be the, that'd be the sports high of my life, and I would know it's all downhill from there anyway. Okay. So, so no matter how disappointing the Chiefs you've got, yeah. you like, just keep looking at that ring. And yeah, okay. that will always bring me back. So, okay. yeah, definitely a Final Four. All right. Good save. Yeah. All right, Matt, that was a great interview with Tyler. Look forward to um, even more of those special little vignettes and, and uh, touch bases with with the guys over the course of the next couple of weeks as stuff starts to segue into the Big East play. Um, but I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about another team that beat the living daylights at a Nebraska basketball <laughs> program. Always a good thing to say. Creighton. Man, that is a great way to intro that. I isn't that nice? Oh, I mean, I'm looking at Creighton 80, Nebraska 64, and I'm just saying to myself, good for it you, Flan. It wasn't, it wasn't even that close. Oh. Yeah. So um, sun, Sunday afternoon, led by the incomparable Marissa Janning, the Blue Jays completely rout the Huskers in Omaha at Sokol Arena. Matt, you were there, set the scene for Jays fans for what was really a nice bounce-back win for the Blue Jays after uh, after some uh, 
some late non-conference season swoon there against Northern Iowa. I feel like don't we, we might have to dedicate a whole show to women's basketball just because we've neglected it so badly. I know. I feel like I feel you. Yeah. So yeah. No. I mean, they came off that the one point loss in Northern Iowa, which uh, that was kind of the Jalen Agnew coming out party. Um, Northern Iowa was good for that, by the way. I don't know if you guys have, if you've noticed that, like, you know, a couple years ago when they were in Cedar Falls, Sydney Lamberty almost had like a triple double as a freshman there to win a game. Jade Owens played great as a freshman there, and then Jalen Agnew going there as a freshman had 16-9. and nine, mm-hmm. You know, ended up taking the what would have been the game-winning shot. I mean, if, you, if fans got a highly tutted freshman, they need to go to Cedar Falls every year. That's how it's <laughs> right. going. So, uh, yeah, she had a really good game, but they came up just short. Um, they haven't figured out how to shoot the ball on the road yet, which mm. you know, maybe they'll do that at Marist here because – they boat raced Maris in Omaha last year, so maybe they'll do that again before conference play starts. Um, but they found the shooting stroke against the Huskers, so a uh, good time to find it, I guess. Um, Marissa Janey had um, hit a DJ Sokol Arena record seven three-pointers, um, scored 22 points, had nine assists, and the route was on pretty much from the midway point of the second quarter on. And it started with Agnew, really, because she came in. Um, Creighton went to my, maybe like a three-quarter court, almost full-court press, just to kind of you know slow Nebraska down, disrupt their ball handlers. Um, Flan felt they were kind of susceptible to turning the ball over, so he thought you know turning up the heat on them a little bit would be a good way to get maybe some easy baskets. And um, Nebraska was kind of in control of it a little bit, and then uh, Jalen got her long wingspan into a passing lane in the, you know, just before the half court line and stole the ball away, had a nice little spin move and dished it off to Sidney Lamberty for a three point play and Creighton never looked back. Um, but yeah, Jalen was kind of the catalyst for that as along. She kind of carried over a good performance from Northern Iowa into her first game against the Huskers and, you know, helped Creighton build a, you know, a nice lead before halftime. Audrey Faber found her shooting stroke a little bit after struggling in the first quarter and then Marissa went. Marissa went off, and Marissa and Lauren Works were pretty much playing horse out there in the second second half, just getting wide open three after wide open three and knocking them down. Um, I think they were up twenty six points after three, so it was pretty much over with about eight minutes left. Um, so that's something that's not not usually how it goes between Creighton and Nebraska. Usually, it's been down to the wire the last three or four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this one was a rout, so. And then Marissa, you know, Marissa, obviously, as a freshman, she started her career with a win over Nebraska. And here as a second-year senior, her fifth-year senior, however you want to say it. Super senior season. Super senior senior. Yeah, she ended her career with a win. She she books ends her Creighton career with wins over Nebraska to make sure she, as she said, it started as a blue state and she'll leave it as a blue state. So Sounds good to me. Yeah. And and they beat UNO. 82 to 45 a week before that. So they're in-state rivals. They beat by a combined 53 points. So emphatically a blue state, like a dark blue state. <laughs> like a dark navy, yeah. like the like old four, mid-80s uh, men's basketball jersey color. Yeah, four <laughs> layers of royal blue. I like state. it. Yeah. That's what that's what it looks like underneath our Christmas tree right now, underneath all that wrapping. It's just a ton of Creighton gear, just royal ton blue of, everywhere. Lawlers. Lawlers. I mean, legitimately, like – this is going to sound like a paid shill. Uh, and, yeah, they're sponsoring because they're good people. Lawler's Custom Apparel. 
if you They're do amazing. any Jay's stuff uh, during Christmas, but like not even during Christmas, just anytime. Um, but you know what I really appreciate since I'm like the oldest possible millennial is I like to shop online, but yeah. I don't like to pay for shop for shipping. And Westroads is just kind of like legitimately right down the road for all intents and purposes. So you can order stuff online and then they'll just have it in the store for you. Go pick it up. Super right. easy. So I've done that a couple of times. So um, is Lawler, Lawler's going to like, if this blue state stuff takes over, you know, and then, you know, let's say Creighton starts beating Nebraska in volleyball and baseball and on a regular basis. Like, yeah. well, Lawler's just become Creighton's apparel store and then, like put the Nebraska and UNO gear like in a box in the corner or something or no I mean how will that work I don't know I mean maybe all that red stuff will be on sale a lot I <laughs> I don't know right uh, it's not, much, not as much updated gear like old logos and things no man I think Rob I think Rob Anderson uh gave you your answer when he opined it wasn't even really an opinion so much as it was just straight fact talking about in response to Dirk Chatlin's tweet about how exciting uh, the first and second weekends of NCAA volleyball tournament was, or were, I guess, and that he's surprised that the sport doesn't give more attention than it does. Rob was extremely quick to point out exactly where the local fish wrap uh, places um, Division One volleyball in the scale of its uh, of its layouts on a week to week and weekend to weekend basis. So. I think, unfortunately, Matt, that answer is kind of already set in stone for the long time. Uh, but that doesn't well, you'll just, you'll take just away the fact you, that that know it in your heart. Then, well, I mean, let's be honest the the corner of the corner of all their locations that are dedicated blue. I'd say it's swelling quite a bit. Yeah, um, a lot of good options. I mean, what I love to see. So when I was a little kid, right, like if I could ever get my hands on any sort of like Creighton replica jersey. I would have been the happiest kid on earth to the point where on senior day back in the late 80s, early 90s, what they used to do at the Civic, they'd have these huge white paper cutouts that looked like jerseys and they'd use like a blue laminate finish to post um, white jerseys of all of the seniors for that night. So <laughs> I managed to steal as a, I don't know, 11 year old Latrell Wright sells senior day paper. Is there, a sta- is there a statute of limitations on this admission here? No, or? but like, I think Latrell oh. like actually hits up the blue Jay underground. So I think I still have it in the basement. Uh, it's next to, <laughs> it's next to the old Savas center, which was the precursor to the Scott trade center. The old Savas Center, maybe it's even the Keel Center. Anyway, yeah. two, two long-term, long-time uh, white and blue review supporters, Blue Jay Bites podcast listeners, um, happened across a. God, this is a great story. So this <laughs> Sounds is. Like one. So this is. Um, I'm trying to think what what year this was. This would have been 2000, 2001. Yeah. Uh, or no, 99, 2000. So. Altman and those guys and Rodney, they make the NCAA tournament. They win Arch Madness the year before. They come back and they repeat the next year. And um, it's the Keel Center still. And how's it go? So down in the metro station in St. Louis, they've got the big, like, you know, 
subway billboard signs down there in the tunnels and stuff. And there's usually that really thick coat of plastic um, plexiglass over them. And so, you know, whatever, it's like drilled into the wall. But for whatever reason, one of these was open. And it was just the, the poster, which is a good like five feet by two and a half feet is just exposed. So some uh, celebratory Jays fans on their way down to the team hotel after the Jays clinch that title. And that's back when the games were on Monday nights. You know, there's been a lot of drinking that day. Right. It's going to be a lot more drinking that night. They managed to take that Keel Center advertisement for Arch Madness, bring it with them to the team hotel, (laughs) find two or three Sharpie markers roll that bad boy out on a big table where the team is celebrating and they managed to collect every single player and coach's autograph on that poster <gasps> including father hart's uh nice. signature and so that is got that and the latrell right cell senior day paper jersey have special places down in my basement wow uh yeah pretty Pretty remarkable. I don't even know what we were talking about before the story, but now I just want to go down to St. Louis. Uh, yeah, don't you just miss it now? Yeah, I do. I'm planning to go to New York this year, and it'll be the first time since uh, Doug's uh, senior season. And I mean, I had a blast at all the different events and the, the send-offs and all that kind of stuff. I know you're going to go to uh, this year, Matt, but yeah, I mean, man, some of those times, some of those stories from St. Louis is still just mm. kind of brings that single tear, but I think St. Louis misses it too, you know. Well, watching some of those games last year, I'd say so. I mean, yeah, it's empty, empty. It's cra- it's crazy too, like how much, you know, how much trash like people <laughs> talk on, you know, Creighton, Creighton fans, like and all that, like resentment for going and leaving, and oh, we don't need you, all that kind of stuff. Like, not to like talk like on the high perch here, but I mean. They didn't really back that up. No. You know, like that tournament, that tournament was like, uh, you know, they can almost relocate if they wanted to based on numbers. Isn't that like, based on attendance, like doesn't that seem like a campus site tournament now? For sure. I mean. Right? Doesn't it look like something like where we got to get someone's fans in this building type and of deal? It's, it's too bad because, I mean. It is. The Halcyon is. days of that tournament, I mean, even before that year where they sold out the semifinals back in um, 2003, I mean, that was just to be there in that building that weekend. I mean, obviously partially because it ended well beating Southern Illinois that weekend, but like a drum. Oh my God. (laughs) But that, but that tournament, um, no, I'm talking about 2003 when that game was even, Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Not 2003. God, I'm blanking. 2007. No, 2007 when Nate and Anthony and Porter, Uh, those guys, I mean that, that semifinal, both semifinals were sold out and it was like a legit sold out. Like every row, at the Scott Trade Center was full. That mm-hmm. place was rowdy. The bars and all the restaurants in the neighborhood was rowdy. I mean, it was just that was high times for that tournament. But even leading up to that, I mean, the crowds were always really solid. Mm-hmm. And St. Louis, from a corporate standpoint, and the community itself has really supported that tournament. I know we're yeah. kind of digressing here, but yeah, the last couple seasons, whether it's been the Creighton effect or just nobody felt like they had as good a chance as Wichita, even though Northern Iowa, obviously salty. I mean, the Panthers aren't going to replicate Creighton numbers and nobody wants to hang out with Wichita fans. So it's just kind of weird. And, I don't <laughs> right. know. 
Yeah, no, is, man, it's, it's it's like tough that you can't have like the best of both world both worlds, and as far as how that environment goes, you know, I'm how sure you a lot of people have turned this podcast off because of my rambling, but I just want to tell you, this is like super, <laughs> I think we have more listeners ever than right now. This is super therapeutic for me. I mean, I've admitted to having stolen property. We've talked about <laughs> the teams I don't like. It's been good for me. This is that's basically every show, though. I'm here for you. You admit to breaking some law. You. <laughs> You hate on Nebraska and Wichita State, and we fill an hour somehow. I like it. Yeah. It works for me. Okay, so when we podcast next week, what are we going to talk about? What's your foreshadow here? Well, we'll be done with Christmas, right? So we can talk about all our new Lawler's gear. and That's true. Talk about wins over... Arizona State. Arizona State. Marist. 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 I think it's Marist. I say Marist. I don't yeah, know. That's fine. Nobody but I don't talk. I, I, I talk funny anyway. So nobody talks about Marist ever. So yeah, we we'll only have two sports to you know. We'll have to come up with some other topics to talk about. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll. I'll go see Rogue One. We'll talk about Star Wars. Oh man, I saw that. My brother had. Did you? My brother no had an extra ticket. Ah, don't worry about it. You just tell me everything right now. Like, thanks. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, well, my bad. <laughs> yeah. So you know, we'll talk Star Wars. Okay. We'll figure something out. We'll come up with a plan for where to relocate the Valley Tournament. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. Because Wichita State's going where now? The a- AAC, right? I don't know. They're going to be UConn's whipping boy. The American. Now. Are we going to expand, do you think? The Big East? Yeah. Who would you get? Do you want UConn? I don't know. Kevin Ollie looks weird to me. I don't know. He's just kind of. He looks kind of, weird to me. He looks like the Condor from I don't Muppets. Want weird, I don't want weird looking coaches. No. Uh, well, if yeah, he keeps no. it up, he might not be the coach in there. For there, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, you get UConn and like I don't know who else. I like it how it is. Me too. Let's like again, I mean, until you know why I want, you know why I take UConn. I take UConn because they're a decent baseball team. No, and that, that's a good and point. The Big East needs some baseball. Like, God, you know what we can talk about? I mean, that's just... We can talk about baseball a little bit next weekend. You want to have Alex on, and we can talk Zach Weigel for an hour because we love that guy. Who? Zach? Oh my God! Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Remember, write down Zach Weigel's name. That's what we're talking about next show. Okay. This is we've got some, we've got some stories on Zach Weigel. Is this a new player? No, I think he graduated. He plays for Seton Hall. Oh, I thought you were talking about Creighton players. No. Okay, I was like, I've no, never heard of Zach. We, Weigel. We, no, we, no, we never talk about Creighton players. We're going to talk about Zach Weigel. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sounds about right. Yeah. I remember um, that name. Yeah, because I saw they obviously wrapped up their fall camp and you know me. You and I are both big baseball guys. So sure. we'll get we'll start to get locked in. Have they published a schedule yet? Negative. God, I saw yeah, but we, but we we had Ed on and he pretty much walked it down. Yeah, I know, but I need so. something I can post on my wall. I saw yeah, softball. I they they published theirs, theirs today. God, yeah. Some baseball games up here. Come on now. All yeah, right. they're coming. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, I got some Lawler's gifts to wrap for unassuming Pearson, little kids Pearson that won't Embryo. be listening to this. Oh, I know what I was talking about. I, I We came full circle. Yeah. So when I was little, all I wanted was a Creighton basketball jersey, and they never sold them in the bookstore. This is back when like the bookstore was underneath the Brandeis dining hall. Terrible. Um. And now I walk into Lawler's, like, no joke. They have a youth-sized Kyrie jerseys, Marcus jerseys, uh, Justin jerseys, and Mo Watson jerseys. Obviously, wow. no names. Uh, and say what you will about 
schools and businesses making money off the back of college athletes, whatever. I'm not here to judge. I'm just saying that like James might end up with four Creighton jerseys this year because when else are you going to buy them? Like that's that's pretty fresh. Like to have some, especially some Omaha kids to be able to like be sporting their jerseys around town and. You're almost like a Lawler sponsor. Is what we're going full circle that way. Like, right, it's called a Lawler f- sponsors the show. Bryant sponsors Lawlers, and it's kind of like affiliate marketing. Like every yeah, time I mention sure. them, I'm going to get a little like cash in my pocket. That's not the case because I've actually wow. given them. And we just ruined it. I've, <laughs> I've given them a little bit of money this week. Let's just put it that way. But oh yeah. Anyway, um, we will talk about. All the sweet gear we got. We'll talk about hopefully what was an undefeated non-conference season for the Jays. Preview the Big East. Probably maybe spend a little time talking about. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there'll be a Zach week Weigel. Left. Zach Weigel. We'll talk about Zach Weigel, and we'll talk about what your greatest uh, memories covering all Blue Jays athletics in 2016 have been. I know we'll have a week oh, left in the calendar one. year, but that's a good. That's a good I'm not sure one. You're gonna say my favorite memory is covering Zach Weigel, which would have been a good segment too. But yeah, <laughs> that's a good 2016 recap. Yeah, yeah. That's... everybody likes recap lists, man. I mean, I just gave away number one, so I kind of ruined the suspense of it all, didn't covering I? Covering Zach Weigel? No, the oh. volleyball match. Yeah, <laughs> was Zach? Yeah. And then I gave away number two was Zach Weigel. So sure. yeah, this list Weigel. Is not, that's right. This, this won't have much suspense with it at all. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously that match yeah. is number one, but I think you know if we sit sift through the the pieces on WBR and uh, and just kind of reminisce. We'll play a little uh, boys to men end of the road. We'll get we'll get nice. things really like set up. We'll set the mood. We'll talk about 2016 and we'll forecast what we see ahead for Blue Jays athletics in 2017. Yep, and then we'll wrap them up with Zach one Weigel. more interview, right? Yep. I mean today. Oh yeah. So after we get done uh, talking your ears off, and we'll have. Uh, posted a link to this in its entirety but right now you're going to hear from the head coach of the elite eight the elite Creighton women's volleyball program kirsten bernthal booth matt able to sit down for an extended interview like he has a couple times with her this season and uh on the record talking about you know recapping what was a terrific run again to end the season and then matt i know you guys talk a little bit about what's to come in the immediate off season, but then also kind of what looking ahead to next year a little bit. Yep. All right. Well, All enco- what do you say? All encompassing twenty minutes, one final time with uh, the hottest coach on. Wow, probably not. Say probably not. The most popular coach on campus. There right? you go. Yeah. Quickly, quickly ascending to the best chance for Creighton to win a national championship in any sport. How does that sound? Right. Oh, there you go. Is that going to get Jay Lee off my back? Yeah, you're moving in that direction. There you go. I like right. it. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and sign off for us. Matt, great job as always. Really appreciate Hope you had a good time uh, travel notwithstanding, going down to Austin, covering them in Lawrence as well, like you have all throughout the season. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of fun trips up, coming up here in the spring too, hopefully, to New York and beyond. All we got to go is 500 conference play i think we'll be yeah. all right so but well, i th- thank uh you for having me on thanks everybody for listening thanks for going to white and blue review.com and reading our stuff and merry christmas everybody merry christmas happy holidays and as always go jays
sitting here for one final chat with uh, Creighton Volleyball head coach Kirsten Bernthal Booth. First of all, congratulations on your number nine final ranking. Thanks. In the bowl. It's uh, the highest you've ever been ranked. Yeah. Yeah. Highest you've ever been ranked, right? Yeah, I think so. I guess what's your. I guess, what did you expect out of that ranking? What did you think it was going to be? Where did you think you were going to fall in? And what's your reaction to seeing nine? Uh, it's higher than what we kind of thought. We had bets within the office uh, of where we'd land. Um, sometimes I feel like maybe we don't get the respect that maybe we sure. deserve. So I, I, I was surprised we landed in the top ten. I, I picked... 12. I think Ryan and Angie had it us at 11. So uh, Micah was the most optimistic at 10. So to land at 9, we're pleased. And, we, and I feel like this group deserves it. We beat two, you know, uh, I think what was Michigan 12, and Kansas was obviously four. Uh, you know, so two great programs at the end of the year. And, um, you know, I'm glad that the voters recognized that. So what's Micah going to do with his winnings? And <laughs> no actual money compliance oh. would not be happy about that. Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. Um, on the topic of uh, Christmas gifts, have you and uh, have you guys come up with a fair compromise or a consolation prize for your daughter who obviously didn't get what she wanted in the national championship from Santa? Gotcha. Well, you know, Santa hasn't come yet, so we'll see if they've been good enough that Santa's going to come see any of our daughters. So that's, they'll oh, find out. That's true. If not, they could be getting cool. There's still some so. time left to that's get right. on the list. That's, that's true. Right. These are the final weeks, right? <laughs> um, I guess going back to, I don't know if you remember this or not, but a conversation we had, I think your first day of practice this year, and we were kind of talking about what, uh, why you like it at Creighton, why you like your situation, and what um, last year's run did for you. And you mentioned the Sweet 16 run for you and Angie kind of made you guys hungrier for to go further. Mm-hmm. How much did an Elite Eight run add to that this year? I mean, I know it's still fresh, but did you guys, you know, come back to the offices when the season was over and just you know, think about nothing but Final Four kind of thing? Well, I think we, this is the first day in the office, really, since okay. because we were in Columbus all last week. So, um, you know, it's ironic. Ange and I just had the conversation that we need to have a staff meeting before people take off for Christmas because I do think right now you still are kind of energized. You're tired, but you're also kind of energized with specific areas players and the team needs to get better so um, we'll have a brainstorming session this week on some specific things and obviously you know your brain doesn't turn off over the holidays Mm -hmm. a lot of times that's kind of when I get you know re-energized anyway but um, yeah of course it drives you you know I think um, I also understand how hard it is to make an elite eight I mean what this group did is you know there's 330 teams and they were one of eight you know, to, to still be standing at the end. And, um, but I think especially, you know, we've, you know, we lose some key cogs, but we return a lot. And so, you know, the question is, you know, isn't so much, I mean, it's within staff of driving us, of course, but how much is this going to drive the players? And that's going to be the discussion we'll have when we get back in January. How, how badly do you want to go further and what are you willing to, to some degree, give up? How willing, are you to push yourself to really being uncomfortable? Um, and that was what was really great with last year's group. They got after it in January. Unfortunately, we have a great strength coach, you know, so we have some things that um, maybe not every program has that, you know, I'm not 
great at strength and conditioning, but Brad Schmidt is, you know, yeah. so those things really enhance our program and he's really invested and you see verticals. Marissa Wilkinson's the perfect example. Her vertical went up substantially this year. She's quicker off the ground, you know. Something that you could notice with your eyes. That not you even... could notice, yeah. Usually you might not notice it. Um, and I think everyone was, you know, and the other thing that Brad does great is he's talking to us throughout the whole year. So we are jumping at our best in mid-November. You know, he tests them and he'll come back and be like, this kid just had a PR, a personal record, in mid-November. And I don't, I'm not sure a lot of programs are doing that. And I, I give him great credit on making sure we're managing bodies so that's happening. Is it, I, you mentioned it, you've mentioned it a few times actually, and I'm wondering how much it's going to be talked about because I know you guys are process driven and one match at a time is the mantra that you want them to focus on but in regards to the margin of error that you keep bringing up in this run here because you did go five sets three times to get to the elite eight that's something that you know you might have been done in five sets on day one right um with the way those things go I mean how much of that are you gonna I guess harp on in the off season to say you know we're coming off an Elite Eight run where we're turning a lot of players, but the margin isn't really that wide from, say, Northern Iowa making that run versus us making that run. Well, I don't think I'd put a negative spin on it by any stretch. I think, um, but I think that same conversation is the conversation we've had for the last four years, is that, you know, we were 40 RPI, but we are really close to being a 15 RPI team, you know, mm -hmm. so just as now, you know, we might, I don't know where we're going to land, but let's say we land at 12 RPI or 10 RPI, we're pretty darn close to a 40 RPI team even being there. You know, there's there's just a lot of really high caliber teams, and there's not a lot of wiggle room if you don't play to your highest level every time you step on the court, especially when we're, when we're going to choose to play, especially during the non-con and then the Big East is strong, that if you don't show up, you're going to lose. You know, so I don't think the conversation's much different. I think we may just have the target on our back a little bit more last year and this year um, than we had three years ago. I guess what are the winter spring objectives? When you do you do individual player meetings? Um, is it a lot different than when they come back for fall camp? As far as what the things you want them to work on in the winter and the spring versus maybe the more yeah. team-oriented things you guys will focus on in the fall? Yeah, it's really different, actually. We haven't done individual meetings um, because we came back and it was finals. And yeah. I said, if, if you need to meet with me, come find me this week. If not, uh, we'll connect when they get back in January, which is sometimes nice anyway. Then they can kind of decompress. Um, but we'll meet with them, and, and the spring will be, you know, we always say is focused on you, you mm -hmm. know. Now, we might put some new team systems in, you know, if we wanted to try a new defense or some new, you know, I've, we've, I want to try something offensively with our outsides that we haven't done. Like, the spring is going to be the time that we're going to try those things. But, um, you know, like Jaylee, Jaylee's game is incredible. Where I think she can take another step is ace blocks. Mm -hmm. You know, so you know she's getting a lot of block touches. What do we need to do in training to get that ball to go down rather than out? You know, so that, those are the fun things. And I love this time of year. So I can specifically say to each kid, like, this is what we're seeing. What do you think you need to get better at? Um, but it'll be in very different than the fall. In the fall, it's how are you contributing to make our team great? What is it like? Uh, I've, I've heard this from different coaches and they have different strategies for it and you know I hear different answers for uh, in regards to how locked in the incoming freshman class the ones that have already signed are to getting themselves ready for the fall what have, what's the I guess dialogue like between you and the coaching staff and Naomi Hickman and yeah. um, you know the players that are coming in for the fall to kind of get them 
ready to get going right away? Honestly, not very much. Really? And and perhaps it should be more. The way that you're saying that, I'm you're saying maybe well, that we should do that. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I am still a believer in their. I want them to enjoy their high school experience. I don't want them to be stressing about their next step. What we'll do is, you know, hopefully we'll get them in for summer school. So they'll get that time in July with the team, um, with our strength coach, getting on the court. And that's where leadership comes in because we can't work with them in July, but they can work, they can go on the court with the team. So, you know, are they learning our systems right there? Do they know our offensive numbers and things like that when they arrive to camp? That's, that's leadership's job to make sure that's going on in July. Um, um, and then, you know, we can't give them strength and conditioning info until they're all done with any high school season that they participate in. And at that point, we do give them that to um, to get locked into strength and conditioning. Um, you know, and, and it really varies kid to kid. You have some kids that are in a strength and conditioning program that's really good through either their club or their high school, and then other players that really haven't done anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you kind of massage that but the problem is if a kid hasn't done anything you don't want them all of a sudden to start and not know what they're doing because that's when injuries can happen you'd rather have them wait and then come in and learn things correctly so um but we'll you know keep them abreast of goals that the the team lays out and met you know we'll go through our goals at the end of spring season of what we want to accomplish in the fall um and we'll keep them abreast of those things and you know and then what our team has really done well over the last few years as they've texted them and had great great communication and I think made them feel welcome as they arrive. And that's been a huge thing is that freshmen aren't freaking out on that first day of preseason. They've already kind of gone through that freak out phase and they get to know everybody and they kind of are acclimated by the time we start. I guess switching gears a little bit to the players that you don't have returning, um, I know one of the big questions coming into this season was, you return a lot of players, but the big core of that Sweet 16 run was a senior-laden group, a lot of leadership, a lot of experience that you were replacing. So that's a question mark: is how do you replace leadership? That's not something that you know you can determine in a you know someone's measurements or how hard they hit a volleyball. What did you get out of this group, and maybe in different ways um, from a leadership standpoint that helped you be successful this year? You know, it, it was different leadership, but it was great leadership. And I didn't know, uh, you know, the class before, we had Maggie Baumert and uh, Kate Elman and, and then, you know, and, and Mel and Ashley also, who led very verbally, mm-hmm. you know. So not only did they work hard, but they were the types that would grab the group. Maggie in particular would call people out, um, but I think in a way that was respected. Uh, and I don't know if this group necessarily was as much like that. What Lauren and Jess and Foge did was role model great leadership and, and you know, I think, you know, Jess modeled selflessness. I mean, what the team learned from Jess is huge. And she Jess will say she learned that from Lizzie and Mel, mm-hmm. you know, that they didn't necessarily always get the role they wanted, but they still had the team before self. So Jess's leadership is invaluable and huge. And, and to some degree, I consider her MVP of the year because she's such a popular kid on the team mm-hmm. that if she had gone into woe is me mode the team would have gone with her mm-hmm. and so you know that sometimes gets forgotten Lauren is a run through the wall sort of kid I, I'm going to do everything that I can to make myself great and in turn make the team great um, I'm sure she did many things that maybe I even missed I'm, you know she's the type of kid that would write a quote and give it to teammates you know and I don't I don't know all those things that she did but yeah. she just naturally kind of does that sort of stuff and then you know Foji's just a driver you know she's uh you know just riding on people to to try to be great in a good way so i think um 
I think these three led mostly by example, but would step up and, and communicate that leadership when they need it. And then they have, you know, Kinsey's a really big verbal leader, you know, who will have returned. Lydia showed a lot of leadership, uh, you know, particularly as the setter, the quarterback on the court. Mm -hmm. And then I think we've got some youth coming up that will also fill those those gaps, hopefully. But the big thing is is the the leadership or the group was able to convince everyone we have to work our tail off in everything that we do. I mean, this group really did a nice job of not taking days off, and that's going to need to happen again for us to be successful. I know some some coaches I see, you know, they'll they let it happen organically. Some coaches, they'll target certain players and say, look, you're the person I'm looking for to be this role leadership-wise. Which one do you fall in? Do you let it kind of happen organically? Do you let the players kind of just build their own chemistry yeah. and then decide who they want to follow? I don't know. I think it varies year to year. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's easy. You, you know this kid's a natural leader. The team gravitates to her, and maybe it's just one or two leaders. Other years you think, gosh, this kid leads in this capacity, but maybe that's not her strength to be the leader on the court, but maybe she's really good at organizing things. You know, so... Um, you know, last year I met with a lot of players and we did some leadership training. And I hadn't done leadership training in a while. Um, but we read a book together and kind of had weekly discussions on things. Um, and honestly, I haven't thought too much about next year on how I'm going to mm -hmm. approach that. But I do usually let it, I will not name captains um, at this point. I usually let it evolve through the spring. And sometimes it leads to some problems. Almost always it leads to some problems. Letting it go that way? Because because sometimes people get territorial, but to some degree, I think you have to let that filter out. Mm -hmm. And and I recognize sometimes it causes some discord, but from experience, I think that's better than me just dictating mm -hmm. because I think that can cause more problems. Um, I don't really have a segue for this, but uh, you know, throughout this whole process, uh, I guess when you see a team reach a certain level, they'll see who, which players put on the best numbers and say that's the best player. They'll look at the head coach and say, great job, head coach. But um, someone who's been by your side this whole entire way has been Angie. Um, I guess here's the talk about on a better way to say it, but can you talk about, I guess, the impact she's had on this program with you throughout these yeah. I mean, throughout all these years into helping build it into what it is now a now a program with high expectations almost year in and year out. Yeah, Angie is huge and we call her the glue. You know, she is um, the person that's thinking ahead of what needs to be done, you know. Uh, she sees something that needs to be done and she takes action on it. She's not someone that says, oh, I wish we'd done this. She just does it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's evolved. You know, she's become more comfortable. And we've, you know, obviously grown to work really well together that, you know, she she just she's good at minutia now along along with that she's such a relator to our players um and and then she's a heck of a trainer you know yeah. she just knows the game so well um and she's she's a smart person in general so uh you know she's analytical as she you know breaks things down and and uh and can do it well to inspire players and um but you know i think of all things that I've done well at Creighton is I've made great hires. I mean, I, I really have not had a bust for a hire, knock on wood. Um, and they've all brought different things. Paul Gieselman, when, he, when I hired him, I needed him. He, he knew a heck of a lot more than I did. He was a great mentor to me. And then, and then uh, 
you know, and really got us going, you know, mm-hmm. Paul and Angie and I. And then Tom came in and um, brought new ideas to the program, was, you know, I think elevated our recruiting to another level. Um, and then I think Ryan's come in, and, and I love that Ryan is driven to go further, you know, and he's, uh, he is really diligent and pounding the pavement on recruiting, which is really what we need in that position. So, um, so I think, you know, going back to Angie, you know, she's, she's the best. Um, and I, I don't, I don't think she's someone that is craving to be in the limelight, but, yeah. you know, I do think sometimes, you know, you focus on the head coach when really it's a staff. Yeah, I love that the Big East gives a staff of the year, not yeah. a coach of the year, because it is collaborative. But but you've made it an effort to be collaborative. Your practices are not like any of the other practices that I get to see because sometimes, you know, you'll go a whole practice and letting, you know, Angie dictate game plan, offense, let Ryan, you know, he goes with his certain players. You guys, when did that become something that you thought would make the team successful and kind of letting, you know, coaches have voices that way players can build trust throughout the entire staff and not just you? Well, from day one, yeah. you know, I think – I think if you hire good people, you got to use them, and people want to stay when they're then when they feel utilized. Um, but I think you know the way we do training is people are in charge of different positions. So we when we split, Ryan's in charge of the setters and the middles, and Angie's in charge of the DSs and the pins. And then we bring together, you know, a lot of times I'll put the six on six together, but we're all coaching that. So um, you know, I think I think that's leadership is that you know you utilize and you look at the things that maybe you don't do as well Mm -hmm. and find people that are gonna you know carry you in those areas um and uh and again i think it goes back to if people have a voice they feel invested Mm -hmm. and you know we want to create a culture where people feel feel invested um more small picture here how's Brittany witt doing she took a good I think she'd say that was big, big picture. <laughs> um, first of all, Brittany has just been such a champ through this. I know I said that to a couple of people, but man, I've even said to my daughters, "Are you guys watching how Brittany Wood has handled this? She has not been woe is me. She has been. It's going to be okay." So, um, so Brittany's update, as you know, she broke a couple things. Her nose. Uh, I can't remember the term. What's the, the, yeah, the orbital bone? Orbital yeah. bone, and then uh, stitches. But they are going to have surgery this week. Right. Um, I think they're shooting for Wednesday this week because they said there's about a forty percent chance it would heal without like any drooping in her eye. But forty percent is not what you want. And they said if you wait too long, it'll be hard to fix. So yeah. they're going to go in and and um, do some reconstruction this week, and then she should be fine. I think they said it's only about two weeks after that. So long term, thankfully, we should she should be a hundred percent. But. It's funny, I, I'm a fight fan too, so I see that type of injury a lot, and it's one of those that the fighters take for granted. When I saw her, I was like, that's probably what happened. But uh, it was kind of funny watching the whole staff kind of. There was a lot of worry after the match for her situation, because that's not something you see in volleyball a lot. No. You know, and but but the way she immediately handled it that night with that picture or that Snapchat, however the kids yeah. uh, say it, did that, I mean, did that surprise you at all? Or is it surprising to you when you see the way some of these kids deal with the adversity yeah. in a humorous type of way? Uh, she probably, I, I mean, I knew Brittany was a tough kid. I mean, there, I don't know if you saw it. When she went down, I was out on the court immediately yeah. because that kid doesn't go down. No. Like, she's not one of those kids that's slow to get up and things like that. Like, I knew she was down. I knew she was hurt, you know. And, um, but... 
does it surprise me? I, yeah, I guess it surprises me because I think, man, she's got a pretty big facial injury. I would have understand stood a little bit of poor me on this, sure. and she has not had any of it. So, I I've always been impressed with Brittany. She's an incredible young woman, um, but she probably even took another step in the incredible category for me just in the way how she's handled it. Now you're not going to be going to court anymore when she goes down. Oh, you've seen the worst of it, right? <laughs> no, I think I think the point is if she goes down ever again, I'll run out right. there because clearly she's injured. Um, what did you make of this whole Final Four weekend? I know there was obviously some, you know pain from the team involved because they wanted to be there, especially playing against, you know, a chance to play Nebraska on that stage, but when you saw, you know, people kind of rallying to the sport and say, you know, look at these athletes, look at, you know, the quality of play and the coaching and the stage and, you know, it got on ESPN and, like you said, sold more tickets for the championship than ever before. What did you think about, um, I guess, the way volleyball showcased itself in this NCAA tournament and the way people responded to it. Well, our trajectory in volleyball nationally is up substantially. I mean, mm -hmm. you look at it, you know, and we had this conversation with the NCAA. If you look at what women's sport is drawing crowds and growing and getting more viewership, things along those lines, volleyball's the sport, you know. So, uh, it, you know, last year we were in Nebraska, played in front of 18,000 people for our championship, which was incredible. But Nebraska's known to be, and Nebraska was in it. Mm -hmm. How's it going to play in Columbus, Ohio? Ohio State's not in the tournament, and guess what? We had 17,000 people at the championship. Volleyball is growing. Um, our regionals all sold out. Every mm -hmm. venue sold out. Uh, you know, like you said, we got an ESPN for the first time. Um, so we're really optimistic, but we, we have to keep counting, pounding the pavement. We want to um, we want to be on ESPN during the regular season, different teams, you know. So there's there's bigger goals, um, but I'm excited about the growth of our sport. And I, I attribute lots to that to people. Someone that people won't know mostly is our ABCA uh, executive director, Kathy DeBoer. She has done a phenomenal job since she took over 10, 12 years ago, I think maybe 14 years ago. Um, our our sport has grown in huge ways, and I, I give a lot of credit to her for that. Uh, I know I was all over the map with these questions, so I appreciate <laughs> you taking time, breaking them down, and uh, Merry Christmas. Ah, thanks. Thanks for having me on.